the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab 226 for Sunday, November 8th. Happy birthday, Dad. To the uh, Sunday edition of the show, I, uh, I'm Dave Hamilton here in Durham, New Hampshire. Sitting next to me is Pilot Pete, and on the Skype, as always, virtually sitting next to you, this is John F. Braun, and uh, it's 2009, by the way. I think you left that part off. Oh, did I really? Yeah, well, well, when you know, it, hundreds of years in the future, when people listen to this, that they may be curious as to what year that this was made. Just yeah, well, actually, I mean, it, this is our fourth year in uh, in business, as it were, and so. Uh, you know, it's important to to delineate the year. All uh, right. So, what do we got? We have we actually have an action packed show for you here <laughs> today. Uh, we've got uh, we've got. Uh, I took I took a look at the uh, the magic mouse. Um, John, uh, we, we have a, a new sponsor on board that we'll talk about later in the show. We have some great questions, great feedback about a lot of stuff from last week, including. A lot more info on batteries in Apple notebooks um, that, that that's going to be a very interesting discussion and 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 lots to learn. If you have an Apple notebook, there is info later here uh, that we've uh, come that's come in both from our listeners and, and also that we've found out by by doing a little bit of uh, investigative research. So you'll definitely want to stick around for that. And uh, and and then just lots of tips and questions from uh, from you folks and from us. The usual. Yeah, the usual. And uh, I've got the window open here. It's like sort of a, you know, maybe the last warm uh, weekend day that, that I'll have here. The last opportunity to air the studio out before the, uh, before the winter frost sets in. That's right. Are we ready to go on this, John? Should, I, should we dive right in? You got, you, got anything? Can... you got anything you want to say before we do? Any no, last just... parting words? No, it's just unusual because, you know, it's, it's, it's bright out. And yeah. We're, we're all caffeinated. <laughs> I'm, probably, I'm probably at peak efficiency right now because I've, I've woken up and I've had my coffee. Oh, that's great. All right. So uh, Apple sent me a Magic Mouse to uh, check out earlier this week. And it's interesting. So the, it, it's uh, the, the first thing, of course, John, and, and you would have appreciated this. The box itself is uh, it, it is like the iPod. It, it's that translucent case uh, where, you know, you kind of take it apart and it sort of tells a story. But it's it's very sexy and, and you know, Apple like, but it very much like opening uh, the box for for, you know, an iPod touch. Uh the interesting thing was in uh, on the back of the translucent case, there were five quick uh, gesture hints to kind of teach you about the mouse. And and that that in and of itself was interesting to me. It's like, wow. OK, so Apple has designed something that's not intuitive uh, in, in terms of how this multi touch. Right. Because the magic mouse has that the entire surface of it is uh, a multi touch surface similar to the iPhone or, or iPod touch. Right. And so they, they have to retrain you now. It, you know, you can you can take this one of two ways. You can fault Apple and say, well, they've created something that's not intuitive. Or you can say, well, they've created something that's never been done before. And so they have to define the way intuition works with it. Uh, you, you know, I, I, you now know, just to plant a seed, how because another device, it occurs to me that that has this, of course, is the trackpad on your 
portable Mac. Correct. So you were using an iPhone or iPod Touch as a reference, uh, and I think there are some differences depending on your mindset, how you approach the device. Right. So I don't know that's, if it's closer to an iPod or closer to the trackpad on your, uh, and, and I'll let you comment to that. Yeah, that, no, that's a, actually a very good, uh, a very good question because to me, it's way closer to the trackpad. Uh, okay. you know, it, it not being, it not having a screen on it, like a, a display on it. There's not a whole lot of feedback you get from the device in terms. In fact, there's no feedback that you get from the device in terms of what your fingers will, will, you know, what will happen when your fingers touch or do a certain thing. Uh, so basically, you know, the, the way the multi-touch works on it is it allows you to scroll up and down, scroll side to side, which is very interesting. And some apps uh, support it very well. Like, you know, iPhoto uh, Safari for moving from page to page FileMaker. Uh, the app itself will let you scroll from record to record by going side to side. And, and that I've actually found very, very handy. Uh, so uh, it, it's a, it, it, so, you know, that part of it, I actually like, and not having to uh, dive my finger onto a, you know, one, one spot only scroll wheel. It has actually been fine. Uh, so it, it interesting though, I, when I plugged it in for the first time into my MacBook pro, I followed the instructions. I have 1061 on my MacBook Pro. Followed the instructions, went and s- clicked on set up a Bluetooth mouse, um, you know, turn the mouse on. It starts hunting. And the first three times that I tried this, it only saw the Bluetooth mouse by its MAC address. Um, and so I had to kind of go back through and back through and back through. And finally, the fourth time I did it, it saw Apple wireless mouse and paired it immediately it went, you know, immediately the fourth time. All right. Just to be clear, you said yes. before plugged it in that this, Sorry. Uh, I just want to clarify. I didn't this plug in. This does not in. have. Okay. Yeah. This is wireless or, or Bluetooth exclusively. There is no USB cable. Or Correct. Anything. You're right. Okay. And my, yeah, my apologies for that. Yeah. No, I, virtually you plug it. I, in. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to virtually plug it in. Yeah. Yeah. So once, once that happened, then the mouse worked immediately. It, it worked with the system. Um, the entire surface of the mouse itself is a, a clickable button um, and you can click on the left side. And, and this happened immediately. If I clicked on the left side, I got my normal click. If I clicked on the right, you know, front corner or right side of it, I got a right click. And I knew. But but then I went into the you know mouse system preference pane and there was nothing special in there about the magic mouse. And I knew from my my reading uh, and it also said in the instructions, uh, the next thing you have to do is go, you know, update your software to get the uh, the magic mouse. So once the mouse was connected, then by going into software update, it would find the uh, wireless mouse software update 1.0 and it installed that. And then it said, OK, you got to reboot. So I rebooted. As soon as I remo- rebooted, a couple of things happened. One the mouse icon in system preferences changed to the icon to the, to a picture of the magic mouse, which of course, you know, one would expect. Uh, and of course inside there, the user, uh, you know, the UI changed dramatically. Now I could configure uh, the multi-touch and, you know, scrolling side to side and all of that stuff uh, and what it would do. But something else changed. The right click was no longer different from the left click. Both clicking on either side now resulted only in a click. So by installing the Apple wireless mouse software update 1.0, I actually disabled the right mouse button. And this is by design. It's, it has happened to everyone. You have to go into that mouse system preference pane and enable, uh, you know, alternate click to happen on the on the right click. 
which uh, they are just never going to let go of the single button mouse. Uh, yeah, but but here's the thing, John. <laughs> if you take any um, double, you know, dual button mouse off the shelf and plug it into your Mac, mm. your Mac will see it as a two button mouse, and immediately the right, but without making any settings change, the right button works as that control click. And that was the case with this mouse, too, until I installed the software update. So it was like, wait a minute, what are you guys doing? Why are you fighting this so much? And Pete, Pete, you had your hand in the air. I do, well, I do have a question. Um, so is there a tactile click on it when you click or is it, yeah, is it strictly a tap? So, no, oh, okay, it's, it's yeah. definitely a tactile oh, click. Yeah, okay. And so that part's not bad. That's good. Yeah, that, no, it is good. It, it, the clicking on it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. My conjecture but, would be that the old settings were good until you saw, installed that update, though, and then it went to a default. Yes. Button. Yeah. Yes. Well, no. but it wasn't. There was no setting. I, and I've checked this on other Macs that I have. There oh, was no in your system preferences. It, no. There's nothing in your system. Pre- Look, I mean, even on on Leopard on this machine, I've got the. Oh, uh, I know. I'm thinking of the, uh, you know, two fingers to right click. Right. For no. my MacBook Pro. Right. Yeah, there is no there is no right click option in the current system preferences on a machine that has not had a Magic Mouse installed, and yet you know I've got this Razer mouse here, uh, the the Razer Pro V one point six on on the mouse on the Mac in the studio, and it's got a scroll wheel that works. It's got a right click that works, and I never changed a setting to make that happen. It just knows. Yeah, How and it knew with the Magic Mouse <laughs> until I installed the software for the Magic Mouse, which disabled it. And then I could go turn it back on. It was no big deal, but it was, you know, it was weird. So go ahead, John. Yeah. Okay, I got uh, a couple of questions. Yeah. So one, could you have installed this software update before uh, before you connected the mouse? Or was it once the mouse was there, software update said, oh, I got to get something new? It, or did you not? Um, I think both are true. However, no software came in the box with the mouse. Okay. Uh, and the Mac did not see, just like I'm sure your Mac has not told you that there is wireless mouse software update 1.0 available. Uh, my Mac did not tell me it did not see this in software update until uh, I had paired with the Magic Mouse. Now, I think it's available as a standalone download. And presumably, if okay. you know, if you did that, then um, uh, I'm looking to see. Yes, there is. There is. There, yeah, there's. Okay. Wireless okay. mouse. So yeah, um, you can you can go and download this. It is available uh, on the on their website. And, and kind of to Pete's question, and this is where I believe, though I have not yet operated one of these, so yep. I've heard people have you know mixed feelings about it. But um, there is no tactile hint, or is there that you are on the left or right button side of the mouse? Do, do, do you see what I'm asking? I do. I don't know. I in fact I don't. And, and I, I haven't taken it apart, so I don't know this for sure. But my conjecture is the left and right click are being decided by a combination of the multi-touch interface and where you're touching as well as the click. I don't know if there's actually two click sensors inside it. It certainly doesn't feel that way because when I click on both sides, I don't feel a double. Yeah. You know, I don't feel a double trigger, if you will. Yeah, I guess what I'm hinting at is... I don't know if I personally would be comfortable with a device where there's nothing that will tell my fingers, oh, you're on this side or that side of well, the boundary between the right and the left. Y- you I mean, know it's what? It's totally smooth, right? The, it the, the, it the is. Top is. 
that okay. for me, that part of it has not been an issue at all. It, okay. it, it's that part's been very intuitive. In fact, it was intuitive from the moment I started using it. It was like, OK, well, if I click over here, it's on the right side. If I click over here, it's on the left side. And it was it was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one issue I do have with it <clears throat> is its height. It, this is a very, very slim mouse. And I'm, you know, I'm showing it to Pete as compared to this razor. It's, you know, half, yeah, half inch. Yeah. Maybe it, half inch high at, at, at its crown. At its crown, right? Yeah. That's right. It's a it's a slope device, and <clears throat> excuse me, it's it's early in the day, folks. Um, it, my issue with it is, uh, you know, with all the other mice I use, I can place the palm of my hand on the mouse and and rest it there while still moving around, and my wrist is sufficiently off the desk, etc. If I place the palm of my hand on this thing, uh, it, I can't. You know, it's, I, I my fingers don't get to the front. There's not enough surface there. Uh, and it's not tall enough to uh, to use. So that that part of it has been been very, very interesting. It's it, you know, it's almost like I was joking with the uh, we, were, we were joking in the TMO towers at our, our one of our staff meetings this week that, you know, is it is it possible that Steve Jobs has just very, very small hands because every mouse that Apple's ever come out with has been you know, almost engineered for much smaller hands than certainly than I have. I, oh, it, like the hockey puck, I think. Yeah. The first iMac mouse to me. And, and that had an, uh, that was another one that had this not so much tactile problem. It, it was OK tactile, but it was round. So my gripe with that was, again, you, you lose a way for your hand to determine orientation. The oval one, I, I think, mm. was much better. But the round one to me, that was just yeah. A terrible idea from a, a yeah. A Obviously, that's not a problem with the magic mouse. I mean, it's you know, it's it's very much shaped. So you, can, you can tell the orientation with no problem. <laughs> yes, no, that's not not an issue. Although, uh, you know, I, I think you could turn it around. Oh yeah, if you inverted it. If you invert it, you know, you then know. then you'll know pretty quick though when you try to click yeah. and and nothing, nothing. happens. So uh, the click is definitely only on the on on the front of it, and and there is an Apple logo on the back of it, so you know you'll orient it the right way. And it is optical. There is no wheel. Uh, so and and lastly, my my last gripe with it, which is a pretty big one, is that it's slow. Now, it in and of itself is not slow, but the the maximum tracking speed available in the uh, in Mac OS 10 by default is way too slow for me with this mouse. I had to go and uh, there's two things you can do. You can. And the easiest one is to download something called mouse zoom. And we'll put the uh, the link in the in the show notes here. But uh, there's also a thing you can you can go to the command line and 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 do, uh, you know, edit a, a com dot apple dot mouse dot scaling item and, and change all that. But mouse zoom was much quicker and much easier for me and uh, and has worked. So I was able to get it to where I. OK, where I so it even be. if you put it in the built. Uh, so the built in, I assume they still have tracking speed and yeah. scrolling speed. Yeah. But even when you put it on fastest, it wasn't fast enough for you. Not for tracking speed for scrolling Got speed. It. It's fine. But right, uh, right. yeah, tracking speed. No, not not enough. And, and, you know, it's been a long time since I've used an Apple mouse for any extended period. And. The comments that I got back were, yeah, this is typical. Apple's mice are always, you know, tracking slow by default, but go ahead and use mouse zoom and, and you're good to go. So, okay. And then it has batteries, which I guess somewhere you'll get a notification if, or you can yep. tell what the battery level is, right? You can by going into the system preference pane. It's two double A batteries. Yep. Oh, and they are replaceable. Correct. That's, that's very un Apple. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, any other questions before we get into our, our battery discussion, which is because that's a nice segue into it. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Smooth. No problem. Thanks. All right. Uh, actually, I, and I will uh, do one other thing is that I want to talk about our first sponsor for the show, which is a sponsor that's been with us for a very long time. And that's Barebone Software. And today uh, I want to talk about Yojimbo. Uh, Yojimbo 2.0 is an information organizer for your Mac. It's one place where you can dump everything. Uh, and I have been using this since a, about two hours after it came out, and I think that was three years ago, um, I use it for for really for everything. Uh, you know, if I have any little snippets of text or serial numbers that I need to store or PDFs that I need to store or, for example, our our show, I have a you're able to categorize things inside your Jimbo, John. And so I, I have created a tag folder called Mac Geek Gab. And then inside that, I store the text file that is our agenda for every show. I also have a uh, work. Uh, yeah, I guess it's a workflow, an Apple script that I created, which um, uh, allows me from email, from from mail.app. I choose file print and then I go to the PDF menu and I have saved to Yojimbo as MGG. Right. And so I choose that for any email that I want to read in the show. And it creates a PDF of that email, asks me for what I want the name of that to be. I type that name in and then I uh, and then it fi- it puts it in Yojimbo, files it as uh, in the MGG category and also saves that name to the clipboard so that I can then go paste it into our agenda file wherever it is I want. Uh, then when it's time to do the show, of course, Yojimbo syncs from Mac to Mac with mobile me. And so I come up to the studio and bam, everything is up here. I'm good to go. I'm able to put audio files right inside the text here, play them. I use this for everything. Little tech tidbits, little, uh, uh, yeah, I've actually got a thing in here for recipes. Uh, I've got, uh, you know, categories for each of the businesses and I'm able to just store all that cluttered information in one place that's synced across three of my Macs. Uh, this is available at barebones.com. You can download it for free uh, as a 30-day trial. And then uh, when you decide to go and buy, it is 39 bucks for an individual version. Uh, family pack is 69 And if you're a student or otherwise involved in the educational world, it's 29 So all this is available, barebones.com for Yojimbo, which is now at version 2.0. And John, it's time to talk about batteries. And I think the first thing we should do is correct ourselves. Well, I'll, I'll say that I made a bold statement. And, and I think you'll agree it was a bold statement in that I was. Uh, so, I, and I, so I'll take the blame here. I'll, I'll, I'll take the, the hit for you, Dave. Oh, we, for I, think we, but, um, I think we both got it wrong, but that's okay. Well, I made, uh, I made the statement, I think, at the beginning, uh, uh, from what I recall, that a cycle is a full uh, is a full full charge to discharge or discharge the, is in that you measure it at the extremes. So yes. if you hit the, the extreme of being fully charged or you hit the extreme of being fully discharged, that defines a cycle. And, and although it was a bold statement, it was um, not entirely correct or you could say wrong, but I, yeah. I like not entirely correct. No, I think um, we're, we, we both agreed on that last week and, and we were both wrong in so much as yeah. how Apple counts this. Um, and we got yeah. lots of emails from from many of you. Oh, yeah. I wanted and thank you. But but I was going by the classic definition of a cycle. Right. You know, in engineering right. and other speak, which includes a full, you know, uh, hitting both boundaries is how you define a cycle or a hertz. Right. You know? 
People so, say kilocycles, now they say kilohertz. But anyways, uh, and so go on, Dave. We, we got a lot of uh, additional information. We, we did. And, and then I went and, and did some, some research on my own. But I, first, I want to I talk about what's been said by uh, our, uh, our hidden genius here. Uh, we'll call this person. And, and the, uh, the note says, a full charge cycle is the equivalent to a complete just discharge of the battery and a complete recharge of the battery or using 100% of the battery's capacity, but not necessarily in a single charge session. If you charge up a battery to full, then use half the charge, charge it up to full again, then use half the charge and charge it up to full a second time. That is the equivalent of one charge cycle. The reason the Apple Store employees suggest that people let their computers discharge as much as possible then recharge it to full is because the battery always discharges a little bit over time. But when the adapter is plugged in, the system rushes to recharge it to maintain 100%. This pounds through the charge cycles, using another definition, very quickly. And the more charge cycles the battery has, the less capacity the battery will hold. Okay, so there, there's two things in that uh, in that little tidbit we just read. The first half defines how Apple defines charge cycles, which is to say, once you have charged a battery 100%, it's a charge cycle, but that's cumulative. So if you go down 10% and charge up 10%, then go down 20% and charge up. Now you're at 30%. Okay. And it adds that up. And once you hit or pass a hundred, it ticks the charge cycle counter over one. So it's not necessarily you could never bring the battery all the way down to zero and all the way back up and yet still count charge cycles. And that's an important thing to remember. Did I I get that right, John? I think you got it. And I think what it's hinging on, though, is uh, I guess the battery would measure this based on the current capacity number. Yes. Yes. Which is which changes over time, as we know. Like I'm looking at mine right now. My my uh, MacBook Pro battery started off with 5,500 milliamp hours, and now it's down to current capacity. It says is 4,359. So th- this battery has been you know through a bunch of cycles. Right. So I think what's happened. So once it sees that amount of capacity being restored, it'll say that's a cycle. That's so, right. That's right. Yes. Yes. It 100 percent of current capacity. Now the other thing. That was in this note here is that it is another definition of cycle. And that is every time the battery is charged to 100%, regardless of whether it started from zero 50 or 99. And the inference here, which I uh, emailed back with this person and, and confirmed is that when the battery hits a hundred each time that starts to erode away at its capacity. Now you might not see it every single time it hits a hundred, but that's, that's, that's the thing that beats the heck out of a battery. So, uh, someone like me, uh, who keeps their bat, their, their MacBook pro on the bench charged up most of the time, uh, is constantly hitting that hundred mark, right? I mean, it's always going to go down to, you know, 99, 98 and then bam, right back up to a hundred. That's the worst thing you can do for a battery. Uh, it's yes, they've gotten better. It's not uh, nickel cadmium like the old days, but but this still does erode a battery. And I can I can confirm that by uh, by by what's happened to the, the, the two batteries that I had. And I say had because there's more to this story. 
Um, I had one battery with 50 charge cycles and it was down to 2000 milliamp hours. As John indicated, uh, batteries on, on the removable batteries on MacBook pros, uh, start out at about 5,500. And I had another one with 59 charge cycles or sorry, 69 charge cycles, uh, and 3,200 milliamp hours. Uh, so both of these had not seen a whole lot of recharging and yet had been totally beat up. Um, so Apple recommends that you, um, that you charge your battery. You, you completely discharge it and bring it back up at least once per month. Uh, I think you need to do it more frequently than that. So I've, I've set my calendar, uh, to do it every, to, to remind me to do it every three weeks. Uh, and, and I will report back as, as time goes on and see how it, see how it goes. And I, I want to talk about my, my Apple care information here too, cause this is a, a juicy tidbit, but figured I'd stop here, John, and, and get your, uh, get your thoughts. Mm, no thoughts. I'm, I'm, <laughs> all right. Okay. I just didn't want to keep railroading here. You know, I'm all caffeinated and, and ready to roll. So no, I think you covered, yeah, I think okay. we, we covered the nuances of, um, you know, what, what isn't now, now I did notice, uh, and, and they do have an article, which we'll point to, of course, in the notes, but, uh, they, they do indicate that towards the end of the battery's life, you know, they, they have this trickle charge versus a, a full, you know, full blast of, of juice. Right. Right, right. Yes, that's right. And and my my presumption is that Apple has engineered it such that the trickle charge has it has the least harmful impact on the battery's capacity as possible. I mean, it, that would only stand to reason, right? That's that's my thought. So yeah, yeah and so they do a nice job actually of explaining most of this on uh, apple.com/batteries. That's right. Yeah, and and we will put that link in the show notes, but <clears throat> Excuse me, that that is the link. I'm going to get a little tea here, John, before I uh, launch into my Apple Care story. And now I'm I will launch into my Apple. That's right. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so I got two two kids homesick with the uh, with the flu, presumably the swine flu, since that's, of course, the only flu that's around right now. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping not to get it before I go on vacation next week. Uh, so. After our show yesterday, yesterday, after our show last week, uh, you know, I got up Tuesday morning and thought, you know, I need to call Apple about this battery thing. I've been kind of letting it go. You know, we talked about how Snow Leopard reminds you, yeah, your battery's not doing so well. You got to go to service battery. So I did. Uh, and I, I got a nice woman on the phone and started going through everything. And she said, OK, you know, what's your I actually did the uh, the online service request thing. So I had copied and pasted. In the cycle count and, you know, uh, maximum capacity uh, of the of my battery right in there. So she had all this information right up front and she said, OK, uh, seems like, you know, what what, uh, what you're doing here. But have you reset the SMC on the machine? I said, well, you know, to be honest, it's probably been a while. She said, all right, well, uh, let, let's go ahead and do that. And and so that involved uh, shutting the machine down, pulling the battery out. Uh, leaving it out for a little while, then holding the power button down for 10 seconds with the machine off and unplugged, then plugging the battery back in uh, and, and starting it back up. And it made a minor difference to my battery's full charge capacity, but nothing substantial. So she said, she said, okay, here's how Apple care works. And this is the important part. If your battery's cycle count as as told by the power option or the power line item in the system pref system profiler, if that cycle count is less than 300 and 
your battery is your full charge capacity of your battery is less than 80% of an Apple defined maximum that we don't publish. Then Apple care will replace your battery for free. If you're under Apple care, or if you've bought a second battery, that's uh, you know, still under its one year warranty. So uh, she said your battery, uh, we don't tell you what the number is, but your battery is definitely below uh, 80%. No question there. So uh, we'll, you know, what we do is we'll put a hold on your credit card. We'll ship you a new battery. You swap it out, you ship it back. And then, you know, we, we release the hold on your credit card. So uh, John, you and I both know that new batteries come with a capacity of 5,500. Now, you know, maybe uh, we, but we don't know what Apple's, uh, 80%, you know, hundred percent number is it, it's possible. The hundred percent number is 5,500. It's possible. Maybe they shave a little bit off that and say, let's call the hundred percent number 5,000. Uh, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to get some, some more anecdotal evidence, uh, from the, uh, from, from all you listeners out there to, to kind of keep us surprised. Uh, but that, that, that's how it works. And so they, they ship me a new battery. Now I have a second battery that, uh, I have in the, in the house here that, that I occasionally use with my machine. And I asked them, I said, well, while we're on the phone here, I do have another battery. Uh, is, does Apple care cover only the battery that came with the machine or does it also cover other batteries? And they said, no, you know, Apple care covers anything uh, that you use with, with your Mac. And I said, okay, well, huh. here's the data on the other battery, you know, 50 cycle counts or whatever it was. It was less than 300 and, you know, like 2000 milliamp hour, uh, charge capacity and she said well yeah that that covers too i said well, I, you know i don't want to double dip here but while we're at it if uh you know if you want to send me two batteries she says yeah absolutely so we went through that she said i have to put a double hold on your credit card and that's what uh -huh. stands to reason and so so you know the next morning wednesday morning two new batteries arrived and you know sent the old ones back so okay. double dipping is allowed but it seems okay. to me that encourages abusing your battery it definitely encourages ab abusing my battery You'd think they'd set it up the other way, but let's. Uh, I, I agree. You know, less than 300 cycle counts. Abuse it, beat it up, and yep. they'll give you a new one. And they'll give you a new one. That's <laughs> right. right. So, but here's the thing. You know, for me, it seems like the best thing for someone like me that's leaving the computer on the bench all the time is to take the battery out so that it's not constantly bouncing between this, you know, 97 and 100 range and put it in, you know, twice a month. Charge it, you know, deplete okay. the charge, bring it all the way back up, then take it out again so that it's not, you know, just constantly being rattled around. I, I'm curious to see if that's the, the real answer here. But uh, but it sounds like you use your battery, John, far more correctly than I do, uh, because yours, your batteries have, have been have held up very well. Yeah, I, I, I don't have it plugged in nearly as often as you do, I think. Right. A lot of times I'll be running on battery and, and you know simulating what could be considered a normal cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, the one tool I'll plug here, we've mentioned it before, I'll mention it again, uh, Battery Health Monitor shows you all of this stuff oh. in one handy little screen. It shows original capacity, current capacity, current charge, and charge cycles, as well as the battery voltage. Uh, and it also has a bunch of flags, which I assume are set by the little chip in the battery. So it'll say low battery warning, depleted, not chargeable. I think that happens when, when the battery is exceeded its number of cycles. It just says, yep, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. That's very cool. Oh, and Pete uses, what do you use, Pete? Coconut, coconut battery? Coconut battery. Yeah, a little And free. that has those same uh, numbers there? Gives you those same numbers, right? It tells you how okay. many times you cycled and how many milliamp hours are left. That's that sort of thing. That's great. Excellent. Or it's buried in System Profiler, but I don't think it gives you 
quite as much information as these do. System Profiler does not explicitly tell you what the original maximum capacity of your battery was. Um, but uh, but again, that you know, Snow Leopard knows and will tell you. Uh, you know, if you're getting that service battery warning in your Snow Leopard battery menu, it's because you're below that 80% number. So that's the that's the magic there. Okay. All right. Uh, John, it, it is time to talk about our second sponsor, which is a new new sponsor to this show. Excellent. A company called Micus, M-I-C-C-U-S at Micus.com. And the, the product that we're talking about today, John, is something they, they actually sent samples to both you and I uh, so that we could talk a little more intelligently about it. And it's called the Blue Bridge, B-L-U-B-R-I-D-G-E. This is a pretty cool, cool. Uh, hang on, cool device. I wanted to pick up. Oh, I had the see. I, I thought I had the uh, the data sheet for it on the floor and I have it right in my hand here. Uh, what the what it is, is it's a Bluetooth speakerphone for your cell phone. Uh, it's mostly designed to be used in your car, but but there's no reason you couldn't also use it in your house or your office or wherever you want. Uh, you pair it with your cell phone. It works with the iPhone. But as John found out this morning, it also works with your uh, what, what do you have there, John? Um, I still have until the <laughs> Verizon iPhone comes out. I still have a, cra- a Motorola Crazer. Got it. Which um, and I, I think the key here is that the, pro- the the phone that you deal with has to have voice recognition of. And make it available via Bluetooth, which the Crazer does. Okay. Okay. And, uh, and, and so the idea is you pair this device with your phone. Your phone sees it like another headset, a Bluetooth headset. And then when you talk, uh, it's, a, it's a little speakerphone. And you, it's got uh, volume commands on it. And then also just a, kind of the big button that either answers or hangs up the phone. And then on the side, it's got a mute button. Uh, but it's got a couple of cool little features. Uh, one, the, the biggest to me is that on the back of the device, so on the front is a, a speaker and a you know a microphone and, and all those buttons we just talked about. On the back of the device is a solar panel. And the idea is it also comes with a suction mount. So you take this suction mount and you put it on the uh, windshield of your car, maybe up in the you know kind of upper left-hand corner. And so now you've got the microphone and speaker facing you, the solar panel facing essentially the sky, and you can charge this battery from uh, from a USB cable. But of course, if you're leaving it in your car, you can also charge it with the sun with the sun. And uh, and so now you've got this thing that basically you can just leave living in your car. And uh, it's a handy little speakerphone. Your your iPhone will automatically sync with it. I think it's got uh, 800 hours of standby time, if I'm not mistaken, John. 800. I think um. it is. Yeah, I'm I'm looking on the uh, the deal here. Yeah, 800 hours of standby, 13 hours of talk time. Uh, so you could just leave it on in your car. You know, assuming you use your car more than once a week or so, and uh, and you're good to go. You could go to Florida for the winter and come back. Yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, and and uh, and it's got text to speech. When when you receive a call, depending on your cell phone, it will either uh, announce the name of the caller or or their phone number. And uh, so that that's the the Blue Bridge uh, Bluetooth speakerphone for your automobile from Micus M I C C U S dot com, and uh, of course we'll have a link in the show notes as we always do for the sponsors of our show. All right, John, it's time to move on to Joel. Even though we're we're burning daylight here, we've got a lot of daylight left. Uh. 
Last show, we talked about a way of opening files and setting different files to open specifically with uh, with certain programs. And what we said, John, was to go into the the highlight the file, go to file menu, choose get info and edit the information there, which is completely valid and not incorrect at all. However, Joel and many others uh, wrote in and Joel said, I love the show and have for years. Best opening music of any podcast in the universe. But guys, come on, write control click on a file, then hold down option key. Okay, he says. Right or control click on a file, then hold down the option key and the contextual menu changes from open with to always open (laughs) with. And that way you can go and just choose the application right there and you're done. You don't have to go into the get info. So right click on the file or control click, hold down the option key and you'll see right there magically in that menu open with changes to always open with and you're good to go. So you can set it from there. Shame on us. Shame on us. Well, hey, you know, and, and he says this has been here since the OS 10 beta. I, I love this stuff. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it, the depth of what's available in the, in the UI here in OS 10 amazes me. So uh, it's great to stumble onto new stuff. It changes some other contextual men, men, menu items too there. Oh, Pretty yes. Cool stuff. Yeah. yeah, I saw this. So uh, get info changes to show inspector and quick look uh, changes to slideshow. Um, and I guess a general tip is that pretty much uh, all around OS 10 is if you either bring a, a menu, whether it be from the menu bar or a contextual menu, hold down option just for kicks and something may change. Interesting. I mean, I'm just doing this yeah. in text edit right now and I'm in text edit and, you know, I'm pulling some menus down and, and things are changing live. Yeah. On some yeah. menus, not all. So I, I think it's a, the, this is an Apple convention to get extra yeah. Geeky stuff out of uh, your menus. We like that. We like extra geeky stuff. Um, all right. Uh, now on to another quick tip uh, from Jeff. Hey, John and Dave. It's Jeff from Denver, Colorado. I was calling in about uh, John's bag issue with all of them being black. I recently got a Timbuktu bag. They're made by a company in California. The inside of them is white. Or you can even do a custom bag. You'll pay a bit more, and then you can make them whatever color you want, inside and outside. They have a really nice padded laptop compartment. I got one about a year ago and just love it. So they're Timbuk bags. All right, thanks. That's and that's Tim T I M B U K and then number two. Uh, of course, and the link will be in the show notes. Forthcoming. Moving on to Steve, John. Unless we're just knocking these little out, little ones yeah, out of here. Yeah, we could do, Steve. All right, good. Uh, Steve says, I know you guys talked about this on a recent show, but I can't find it. Can you please tell me about the app you mentioned that helps you copy your music from your iPod back onto your computer so it can be put back into iTunes? And the answer, John, is... iTunes backwards. iTunes. Sanuti. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Which is iTunes backwards. That's an easy way to remember the name of the tool. Otherwise, I don't know how you'd remember that. So, um, mm. yeah, I guess it exposes the partition or whatever wacky stuff Apple does to kind of shield you uh, from that information. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And I think there's others. In fact, I know there's others out there, but Sanuti seems to be the market leader, or at least the mind space leader. Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've kept up. So uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. We talked about uh, keyboard stuff last week. John, do you want to, do you want to give any, any precedent to this or should we just let Dr. Bob uh, have his way with the audio and then we'll follow up? Uh. 
you set him up, I'll knock him down. But okay. no, I, I was surprised because I'm like, Bob? And then I was like, oh, that's Bob, Bob. Yeah. Yeah, all right. So uh, our own Dr. Bob Levitas. Hey, Dave and John. It's Bob in Austin, Texas. I was listening to MacGeekGab224, and you had a question from Gilbert about his keyboard, which was selecting text randomly, deleting it, and jumping around on the page. Uh, you had some good suggestions, but I have another one. Um, I had the same thing happening to me, and I couldn't figure out for the life of me what was going on, and it was that my palm was rubbing on the trackpad, and I was moving the cursor around and sometimes clicking. So there is an option in the trackpad system preference pane that says ignore accidental trackpad input. If you uh, select that checkbox, then when your palm or your finger hits the trackpad while you're typing, it will not move the cursor around, and I believe that will fix Gilbert right up. Um, great podcast. This is where you cut me off. Thanks, Bob. All right, Dan, John, you, you've got and, a follow-up on this. And one. after I heard this... I looked around on my machine and I'm like, is Dr. Bob insane? Is he in another universe? Where, where is this setting that he speaks of? Well, he, he does live in Austin, uh, <laughs> which compared to the rest of Texas is kind of another it's a, world. It's anyways, its right? own universe in and of itself. And, and, I, and for me, that, that's actually a good thing. I, I love the six so, years. I, I so I looked and at least on my MacBook Pro, there is no ignore accidental trackpad input option in the trackpad. It's not there. Now, sometimes Apple moves things around, um, but I found out why it's not there. And Apple has a knowledge base article called about the ignoring accidental trackpad input option on computers with multi-touch trackpad. And the answer hey, is... Hey, John, I, I'm going to yes. pause you here because uh, Skype is not being kind to you. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to recall you with Skype. All right. Uh, I think we've resynced, John. You're there, correct? Yes. Oh, you sound so much better. All right, go ahead. All right. So I think I'm going to talk about what I found. So, so yeah. Bob came up with this and, and I was looking all over my computer for this setting that he mentioned. It was not there. At first, I thought Bob was insane, but then I figured out the, the, the reason for the discrepancy here. So I did a little searching and Apple has a excellent knowledge base article called about the ignoring accidental trackpad input option on computers with the multi-touch trackpad. And the answer in short is that machines after a certain date, and it lists the products, um, but it pretty much spans uh, products starting in late 2008 up to the current machines. This option is not there because it is built in or, I guess, on by default. But what they actually say is, is the option no longer appears because it already does this. <laughs> Got it. So I guess they... So I guess after a certain point in time, they updated, I would think, the firmware or, or something in the hardware of the trackpad that kind of eliminates the need for you to set this uh, from software. Because, you know, I can't think of any reason why you wouldn't want this option on. <laughs> well, yeah. Why, why would you say, you know, permit accidental trackpad input? I, I, I can't imagine why you would want that. <laughs> that should yeah. be an option. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's the end. So, so Bob, I guess, is on a uh, pre-late pre 2008 machine, uh, which is why he got that option. Or some people will get it and some don't. Got it. You know, you, you uh, I had to I have to interject here with a, a little tangent. We were talking earlier this week, and, and I think actually John Martellaro wrote an article about it. Uh, and it, you mentioned that the option should be called, you know, allow or permit uh, accidental trackpad input. And Apple's always got kind of funny things uh, in their in their settings. And the uh, Mr. Martellaro wrote an article this week about 
what to set if you want to disable Rosetta, right? And it, and there's a whole big thing in there. But the interesting thing is, if you want to enable Rosetta from the command line, you set this thing and and you say essentially that the thing that's going to handle PowerPC is slash USR slash libexec slash OAH slash translate. And, and then that, of course, translates PowerPC code to Intel code. And that's what Rosetta does. If you want to disable Rosetta, though, you set that option to Rosetta non grata, which is just brilliant. I think that's great. <laughs> it's funny. You know, this is a whole big thing. And it's like slash USR slash libexec slash OAH slash Rosetta non grata here. I'll, I'll paste this into the uh, the Skype chat that we have in our back channel here, John, so that you can see. Oh, 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 I'm in the wrong spot. I'm in the wrong spot. There you go. So it is Rosetta and Grotto. And we'll put the link uh, to, to John's article in the show notes too, so that, uh, so that you've got it. But yeah, Apple's always burying funny stuff and it would be, I don't think they have in this case, but you, you mentioned, you know, so a caffeinated detour. Mm-hmm. Are we ready to go? Keith, is it time for Keith? You're right, John. It's time for Keith. Okay. Hi, Dave and John. This is Hi, Keith, Keith in England. Just a quick question about the podcast itself. You often mention that you can click on links in the Enhanced podcast, and I hear this in other podcasts as well. I subscribe to the Enhanced AAC version of the Mac Geek Gab, and I can see and select chapters in the top bar, but I've never been able to find any clickable links in Enhanced podcasts. Where are they? How do I do this? Thanks. Bye. All right, John, it's all yours. How do you do this? And, you know, that is an excellent question, because if it's not enabled... I would challenge anybody to find something intuitive in the iTunes interface to bring this up. And what you have to do is that if you look in the lower left-hand corner of the main iTunes window, there's a group of icons, uh, which look like they probably do something interesting. There's a plus, there's a shuffle, uh, and then there's one. It's a square with a up-pointing rectangle in it. Now, for most Apple programs, if you hover over something for a moment with the cursor, it'll tell you what it is, and this one's no different. And the, the so the rightmost button with the shape I just mentioned is called Show or Hide Item Artwork in Video Viewer. And to me, it's totally obvious that by enabling that, you then see the links to the... No, I'm kidding, of course. Is what? So they, they just kind of stuffed that somewhere. and I. So that's the reason you're not seeing is because the button to bring that up is is just, to me, not intuitive at all. Yeah. And it, and it does chew up uh, space in your playlist list. So you may, I think by default it is on, but I, I honestly can't remember because it's been so long. But uh, you may have disabled this, you know, years ago, Keith, because you wanted that space and didn't care yeah. to see the album artwork for every album that was playing. It's just not that important, you know. So um, so that that's where that stuff is. Yep. All right. Uh, you know, time is ticking here, John. So this is going to be geeks choice for you. You uh, you, you pick uh, pick any one of the, the stuff that's left in our longer here list. And uh, and that's what we'll do. Oh, wow. You put me on the spot. I'm here. putting you totally on the spot here. You know, I, uh, let's go in order. Uh, uh, Albert. All right. We'll do Albert. Uh, and then we're then we're skipping around, though. Hi, John and Dave. Albert from Cape Town, South Africa. I've got some issues with my spotlight and after doing various searches and rebuilding caches and re-indexing spotlight using onyx it still won't go away what is happening is when i'm trying to launch apps it doesn't seem to find them but it's not consistent sometimes it does see them especially after i've launched it myself 
directly from the applications folder immediately after it's available in Spotlight again. Just seems like I can't trust my Spotlight results anymore. Hope you've got some ideas. Cheers. So this is a tough one because he mentions all the things that I know to fix this short of going and manually deleting the spotlight files uh, themselves. And though that I think that's what uh, editing it in Onyx does, right? There's two ways to wipe out spotlight files. One is to use the, uh, excuse me, the MD util command from the the terminal. We'll, We'll send a link, but I think it's MD util space dash capital E, uh, which is erase and then space and then slash. And I'm doing that entirely from memory. And I would not type that command into my own machine solely from memory. Uh, but uh, but I, I think that's it. It's yeah. Dash E that I, I got it right. Uh, so and and that will go and, and erase those files using Apple's command and uh, and force it to rebuild them. That that's the only place I could start. But again, I think he's already done that with uh, with Onyx. Do you have any other? Any of their ideas there, John? Yeah, is that Spotlight, when it comes to trying to find an application, is a mess. <laughs> well, uh, oh, were you looking? What I'll say, John. <laughs> what I'll say is the behavior is uh, to me inconsistent. Uh, yeah. Again, in the context of trying to use it to launch an application, as you start typing an application, depending on uh, how how Spotlight feels, it'll sometimes give a big list like for example i use microsoft as an example because i have you know microsoft word microsoft this microsoft that right and at first you'll see a nice long list then it'll get a little shorter then it may jump up then it may jump down then it may move to the left to the right do the hokey pokey Uh, the the behavior is very inconsistent and and it bugs me a lot of times uh so for an app launcher i i'm not crazy about it what you can do i think uh this will always show you all the results is you know so once you've done the spotlight search and it starts finding some things uh or, or maybe when it finishes, you'll then see something uh, show all, and that'll give you all of the results, not being parsed by that menu. I, I uh, the the way that menu sometimes changes to me is is annoying. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it it what it's doing is it's trying to keep the the length of the entire menu consistent, and as it's adding new types of data, it then shortens up the number of any given type that it shows. So it might show. 10 items at first, but then as it, you know, is it when it's only showing apps and files, but then as it, you know, shows PDFs, well, now it might, you know, only be right, five, right. Uh, you know, and in the end it might only be three. Uh, and, and the weird thing is that the, um, the top hit, uh, which is the thing over which the cursor hovers is actually uh, decided using a number of factors. And one of them is what you chose the last time you typed uh, something similar to this in the search. So it it prioritizes based on you, Uh, but that's still, and that may explain why uh, Albert's not seeing the application that he's looking for. If the list is only three applications long and he's got 10 applications that match whatever it is he's typed, well, then maybe that's the issue. Of course, if it's not showing any applications, uh, that's that's a whole different deal. I, I, based on the fact that sometimes apps show up, I don't think what I'm about to suggest will help, but it's certainly worth going into system preferences and choosing spotlight and search results and making sure that applications 
is checked and also go through here and disable the things that you never are going to use the spotlight menu to search for it. Like for me, I turn off mail messages. I don't want to see those up there. Although uh, mm -hmm. in, in leopard and snow leopard mail messages also means you won't see iChat um, chat logs, but you wow. know, I turn those off. I turn off events and to do items. I basically use um, spotlight, the spotlight menu to search for applications and documents and nice. the rest, you know, so to turn off contacts and things like that. And that can help free up that menu and perhaps display more options. I, you read my mind because okay. that's where I was going to suggest yep. to go, but I'm going to add just one. Uh, I'm going to put a cherry on top of this mm -hmm. here is you'll notice in smaller text, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, right at the top of that, it says drag categories to change the order in which the results appear. Now, I think on both of our machines, or at least on mine, number one is applications. You know, I never noticed that before, John. I think That's I just noticed great. it right at this very moment. <laughs> so, um, and it, it resonated because you said applications. So, so I think by default, applications is number one. So make sure if, if, if you're, you're, if you'd like to use spotlight for application launching, uh, maybe maybe your application oh, yeah. for whatever reason is buried in there and you're not always seeing it because it gets pushed out by other things. So. Right. Right. Oh, very interesting. All right. And, and okay. So one last thing, uh, and this is yet another way to reset the spotlight indexing on a volume. If you go to the other tab that's out there uh, called privacy, add your hard drive to this tab Quit out of system preferences, come back into system preferences, go to the private, you know, go to spotlight privacy and then remove your hard drive from here. That will also force a spotlight rebuild, at least in theory. So. All right. Uh, you know, I want to go to uh, Sean here, John, because I think this is a good geek challenge. And since we're going to be off for two weeks because uh fingers crossed i'm still going to be going on a cruise next weekend uh or leaving next week uh this will be a good one to, to leave out there and see if we find an answer when uh when we're back uh so i'm gonna go to sean and i'd say this and you know then it takes me time to pull up the email and so i've got to vamp a little how you doing there john great good uh okay so sean writes do you guys know if I can get my time capsule to work like an iDisk in terms of synchronization and offline files? In other words, when I drop a file onto my iDisk volume, that file exists in the cloud and on my MacBook Pro so that when I'm offline, I can still have access to the file. Anyway, want to get the same behavior using my time capsule. OK, and and I did some clarification here. Uh, he's ignore for the for this question. Ignore the fact that the time capsule uh, has other functionality like backup functionality and time machine and all that. Take that out of you, out of the equation. What he's looking to do is store files on a uh, on a disk attached locally, either connected directly to his Mac or on the local network. And then without having to manually do any copying or syncing, wants to have that data replicated on his Mac, similar to the way that Dropbox works or that iDisk works. Uh, and, you know, as soon as I read his question, John, I thought, oh, yeah, there's an answer here. You use um, or uh, wait a minute. All this functionality exists, right? You know, we've got Dropbox, we've got iDisk, uh, we've got a couple other things, but they're all built to use this tech to sync to the cloud. There's nothing to do a local automatic sync. And, you know, there's and there's even um, something called Picnic that I stumbled on. It's actually a cool app 
that will do this over a local network, right? Where, you know, if you've got a folder on one machine and a folder on another, it will automatically keep them in sync without having to, to pester you. You run picnic on both sides and, and off you go. But again, that's not what he's looking for. He wants it to be on just one Mac. So, you know, I'm thinking that, you know, Qdia's uh, synchronized Pro 10 or or like file synchronizer pro would be the answer here but those are not automatic uh you know things that that sit and watch fs events and make the copy happen immediately those you have to you know you have to spawn them on your own either with a, a schedule or or just manually clicking it so there there you go john you get uh, you get first first uh, dibs at the at the geek challenge since i swung and missed um, well, I think there's going to be a strike too. I mean, but my, uh, my only thought <laughs> That's was, no, my only thought was why doesn't he want, uh, cause the first, uh, when I started reading the question, uh, and the, the, the trail of the conversation between, uh, you and Sean, I was like, why doesn't he want to use iDisc? Well, iDisc costs money, right? But something like Dropbox. So, so I'm, uh, I'm going to guess maybe the, there may be a security concern because there always is when you're pushing data out to the cloud, which can, you know, probably should make some people, uh, a little bit nervous because yeah. if you can yeah. get to the cloud, then anybody can get to the cloud here. Right. Of course you have, you know, your own device. So, so I'm, uh, I'm wondering if, if Sean could give us a little background on the motivation yeah, uh, for, or just cause he wants to do this. And it sounds like you should be able to. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's what it comes down to is re- despite or regardless uh, of what the reason behind it is, this, all the technology to do this exists. <laughs> It's like, you know, I got, can we get the source code to Dropbox and just make a little tweak and not send it to the cloud and just go, you know, point at that file over there. Go. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. All right. Um, where are we on time here, John? You know, I think it's uh, I think we got to wrap this one up. Do you want to do one more, John, since we're going to be away for a while? Should we should we let this show drag on? I know what Pete's saying. I'm putting the blinders on. I know Pete's saying more. Of course, he is. more bricks. <laughs> Are we doing one more? I guess we have to now since we've since we've teased it up. Um, do we do John or or Abdullah? Wow, look at that uh, silence. I like the Abdullah question, All right. but I'm an Apple TV fan. So okay, let's all right. do... Yeah, yeah let's we're do, there. Let's we're there. <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks, Pete. Much, Sorry, much appreciated. No, 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 it's <laughs> good. Gotta go now. It's good. It's good to have, good to have, uh, the, good to have the listener represented. Right? There you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, guys, I'm considering purchasing an Apple TV uh, versus Netflix versus whatever once I am back in the States in a few weeks' time. My family's home entertainment system is prehistoric. Uh, and I wonder if you could devote a few minutes to the Apple TV theme. Uh, specifically, what equipment do you need? What are the pros and cons? And what is the future? Uh, and and uh, and he goes on to say that I realize this isn't necessarily the format of the show, but I'd like to hear your take. And I wrote him back and I said, well, I'd love to talk about it. But, you know, John and I don't use the Apple TV. And his his question then got a whole lot more pointed. He said, well, that's a great thing. Why? Tell me why you don't want to use the Apple TV. So. Uh, so, John, I'll, I'll let you I'll let you start and we'll, we'll bounce this around and then we'll bring in the band when uh, when my family well, we, starts we appearing actually, in the yard, you know, waving for me to come home. So, yeah, well, you and I actually did uh, look at an early version. We did. Um, I don't know if it was about a year ago or maybe yeah. less, but um, maybe more, actually. Uh, to me and, and Pete, I believe you own one, right? I do. And I have the latest version of uh, Apple software. OK, um, I guess my reply 
is it, the Apple TV does what it does well, but to me, I feel that the, at least personally, the, the, compared to the TiVo, and this is going to be my answer, my TiVo does pretty much anything I want, especially Netflix. If you want Netflix, I don't know if you're, as far as I know, Netflix is not on the Apple TV, and I don't no, know if we're ever going to see it not. on the Apple TV because, um, you know, but for a device that can consume iTunes content or help you, uh, you know, as a storage place for your, it, uh, I would see it as a great companion for iTunes, but as far as doing anything beyond that, um, you know, Netflix, you see showing up everywhere. I mean, oh, yeah. Blu-ray players have it, this Roku device, I think, which is very inexpensive. Yep. Let you, I mean, Netflix is trying to infect, uh, and, and I say that in a good way, pretty much any media device uh, with the ability to stream their content. It may not be the latest stuff. Um, so I don't know. My my reply is it, it really doesn't do anything that, that I would like to do i don't know maybe that sounds good but, uh, no. but, but i'm not a big i'm not a big consumer of, of itunes content i guess is, is is my answer yeah and i i i'm i'm in the same boat as you i think and i think the reason i'm not a big consumer of itunes comment the content is because i have a tivo and i've been a tivo guy for a whole lot longer than i've been uh uh, uh you know than i've had access to any con kind of content like that from apple right i mean it you know None of this stuff existed back then. I, the iPod didn't exist when I got my first TiVo, let alone iTunes and, and you know, all that. I was managing MP3s, but we weren't anywhere near here. So. So, yeah, my path started earlier than uh, Apple had an option for me. And here's the thing. You know, the TiVo, in addition to everything you mentioned, which I do want to touch on, also is my it manages my my cable TV. Right. You know, so it's it's one stop shopping. I've got two tuners. I can pull in HD content and all of my viewing and listening uh, is accessible from the one box. Right. And 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 that's that's huge. Uh, you know, and take yesterday, for example. Right. You know, my daughter has been uh, sick since Thursday. So she, she's been home from school for a couple of days. She's starting to be on the men now, uh, which is great. My son uh, had been he'd had kind of a head cold thing all week, but it really wasn't that big of a deal. And then yesterday he started with the fever and it got up. Actually, it got up just a little over 103, which, you know, started to have a sweating a little. But essentially, uh, but he's fine now. Uh, he's doing better anyway. Uh, he you know, we were home yesterday, all four of us in the house, two sick kids uh, and nothing to do. And they didn't want to do anything anyway. Right. Because they're sick. So. We used Netflix streaming. We must have streamed four movies from Netflix all day yesterday. And you know what it cost me to do that? Nothing. No, no nothing additional. We, in fact, recently dropped our Netflix subscription. And I think I mentioned this down to the whatever it is, the eight ninety nine a month, uh, which is which is called one movie at a time unlimited. So we can get as many movies as we want in a month, but only have one at a time. But that also allows us to stream either to our TiVo or to our computers. And we can do it all simultane simultaneously. Uh, so, it, you know, it, that, that's a hugely powerful thing that we've had access on the TiVo to Amazon movies for a while. And now uh, just recently they added blockbuster movies, but those are a la carte. You pay per movie. And, you know, I can probably count on one hand the number of times that I've paid for a movie on Amazon. Uh, we haven't done it yet with blockbuster. We're signed up. But, you know, the, and the reason is 
Well, you know, if I really want something new, I do have that avenue with Netflix. I've got to wait a couple of days. I don't have it immediately because Netflix doesn't stream the new stuff. But, uh, you know, I can I can manage my life such that I can wait a couple of days to have a movie and it doesn't cost me anything extra. And in the meantime, if I want to watch a movie, well, I do have a library of, of you know, 12, maybe almost 15,000 movies now that'll that'll stream to me uh, and TV shows. Lisa and I have watched uh uh, TV series on, on Netflix. We started watching weeds recently. Uh, Friday night lights is actually one that uh, this, it surprises us that we actually like um, it's, but it, you know, and, and that stuff is all right there. So, uh, you know, the Apple TV with its a la carte, you buy everything. It, it doesn't fit, it, you know, for, for movies and all that for music, I'm still of the opinion that you buy and, and that's my mindset, but for everything else, TV and DVDs, it's like, give me a, give me a number, one number for the entire month. And that's what I'm going to get. And, uh, so that, that's my, that, that, that's my thought on it. Yeah. And also, uh, I haven't tried it with snow leopard. I assume it works. Uh, but, but, uh, um, TiVo does have TiVo desktop software, which lets yeah. you share doesn't work music. With- and your photos from your Mac. And if you know the secret handshake, you can also share videos. I'm pretty sure TiVo desktop software does not work with Snow Leopard. Oh, because it is Um, coming. It it does come up as a 32-bit thing. It does that. Yeah. um, I haven't tried it yet. However, I use Pi TiVo X, um, which, and I think I'm thinking of the, uh, the right, utility here there's two of them that and they they do different things yeah it it pi tivo x lets you play movies from your mac to your tivo um but the cool part about it is that you can stream movies from your mac in any format it will convert on the fly and beam them to your tivo so uh any of your non-drm to itunes movies definitely no problem you know you can you can Mm -hmm. blast them right over there so um so yeah, that, that that's and 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 so I have nothing against the Apple TV. It just I it, it's not it's not anything additive for me. Um and and I guess that's where it, I guess that's where it ends up, right? It, yep. It, but, yeah. but for someone who is really who has a lot of their content through iTunes, be it music or movies or whatever, mm. um it it sounds like a great uh you know, great device. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if Pete has. Yeah, any, I, Pete uh, does. I yeah. do. I, I like mine. And let me preface mine by saying that, you know, boy, if, if Apple TV, if, if Apple just make the deal with Netflix, it'd be a home run for me. Because um, oh, yeah. I'm dying to have one of those. I've, I've got a Netflix capable uh, Blu-ray player in my home theater, but up in the living room where we tend to hang out more, it's the Apple TV. And I'm, I'm tempted to switch it around, but I like the, the big screen when I do the movies. Right. So, but um, but the Apple TV, it, it's got some benefits. Like you say, the iTunes is the main thing. If you have, uh, if you want to break the Digital Millennium Copyright Act and back up your DVDs to your Apple TV, you can store them there and have a nice library available right. without having to hunt for the DVD that the kids played Frisbee with or anything like that. And then uh, the other thing is with with the uh, Apple Core hack, you can you can hang a Drobo on the darn thing and have a terabyte or more of storage. So right. you can have basically unlimited movie storage. So that's the ability with it there. And, and I like it. I just wish they would make the deal with Netflix and or Blockbuster or any of those guys so that it so that it would be a more versatile machine. And I don't because think I, really like it. I don't think they I don't will. Think either, they will. Unfortunately, it would, no. Well, it would cut into their model. It does. Uh, you know, I think which it, is I, make money for Apple. 
That's right. And Which I, I got to say, as a stockholder, but, I'm, I'm okay with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think what they need to do is they need to offer a subscription, right? Not only to, and they're talking about this, right? Yeah, There's rumors. To Netflix then even, that'd be fine. If we're, yeah. if I didn't have to get, get yeah. you know, three ninety nine a movie or something right. like that, or, you know, pay or pay for the movie to buy it, which you I have it. a few movies I bought from them on there and that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's nice, but yeah, it'd be, that would yeah. be sweet. It would be great. Yeah. And my, I think they'll get there in, in, in their own way, you know, and, uh, so, all right, that's the, uh, that, that's, that's what we got here. So thank you, Abdullah, for forcing us, or at least encouraging us to revisit that topic. And thank you, thank you, Pete, for forcing us to. Yeah. Oh man, you know what we totally forgot? Hey, how do you how do I get a hold of you guys to ask you what you forgot? <laughs> and that's what I forgot, but now I just remembered. And uh, I'll, I'll just get the ball rolling here. Uh, first way you can get in touch with us is to call us. And you can call us at 206-666-GEEK, which is, Dave, 4335 on your telephone keypad or your iPhone keypad or your cell phone keypad. And then you can email us at feedback at macgeekcab.com. That gets to both John and I and uh, immediately, I should say, and uh, and is the best way to contact us via email. You can that send- was feedback at macgeekcab.com, correct? It was feedback at macgeekcab.com, and it still it is, is, and it will be for the foreseeable future. Uh, and you can send us text there, but you can also send us audio comments. And uh, at least one, if not more, of the audio comments you heard today were sent from people on their iPhones using the Voice Memo app. And we like that. It gives us a great quality comment to play. Really, no fuss, no muss. It's, 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 it's the best. Uh, you can Skype us to MacGeekGab. And, of course, you can leave us comments at iTunes uh, on the iTunes podcast page. Uh, I'm going to mix things up here because I like to do that. The podcast marketplace this month uh, includes the A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, Yojimbo from Barebones Software, Disc Label from Smile on My Mac, Notebook from Circus Ponies, Pathfinder 5 from Coco Tech, and the new Blue Bridge from Mikus, which I did not mention the price, I don't think, uh, in the uh, slot there. It was ninety nine ninety nine for the Blue Bridge from Mikus at Mikus.com. And that's all through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. In, uh, in December, John, on December 8th, I'm going to be uh, in attendance uh, in the audience as a casual observer at the Austin, Texas CapMac meeting at 7 p.m. Central Time. Uh, and, I, and Bob Levitis is the presenter that week, so, or that, uh, that month, that day, that during that slot. So uh, it should be a great time, and I'm looking forward to it. If you're going to go, uh, come up and say hi, or come into the audience and say hi. Or we can sit together. You know, We'll have a bunch of us all right there, clustered. iPhonealley.com is Michael Johnston's home. He's the one that converts this show to AAC for you. Cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com, provides all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. And we appreciate everyone, and uh, we appreciate you. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for staying subscribed. And thanks for sending in all your questions and tips and comments. I think that's it, John. Uh, I, we're off next week. We, there might be a show if, if we can schedule an interview that makes sense to, to run next week. Otherwise, uh, you folks might get the week off while, uh, while we are hopefully healthy. And uh, the Hamilton clan is on, uh, on that Disney boat. So that's that. You got anything else to add, John, before we uh, sign off here? Nope. I got to figure Wow. I got the whole day ahead of me. This I know. Great. We both do. It's great. Normally I'd be ready to go to sleep now. But That's uh, right. All right. Off we go. 
Stay healthy, everybody. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Yeah. Lots of echinacea. Wash your hands. Don't get caught. Made up.